morning and welcome to Bite Size. My name is Yoni Pollock, and I'll be your host every Wednesday morning from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. The start of February, and what does the start of February usually coincide with? And by usually, I mean for the last 50 or so years, it is the Super Bowl. Super Bowl Sunday is this week. In case for some reason you haven't heard, the Super Bowl is in my hometown, Houston, Texas. I actually thought about going down, not specifically for the Super Bowl, as I would not have been going to the game because, uh, A, my team's not in it, and B, I don't know where I would have gotten a ticket from, but um, Super Bowl's in Houston. I thought about going down for the weekend. The festivities are usually fun. I know I was I was in New York when the Super Bowl was here a few years ago. Um, didn't partake in any of those festivities because I think I think if I remember correctly, the weather was pretty bad during the week, though the day of the Super Bowl, which is obviously the most important, it was pretty warm. So I know NFL officials uh, like that and maybe improves the chances of a city in the north getting another Super Bowl in the near future. But alas, it's in Houston, a warmer city with a dome. So weather is never really a factor there. And it's in my hometown, so I, I thought about going down for the festivities, partaking, you know, Thursday and Friday. It's a good time. A lot of famous people. Just a festive atmosphere. Um, but I'm here. Didn't go down. And uh, I'll have to enjoy it from afar. Speaking about enjoying things, we have this week two great interviews. One interview from Joanna Shepson. She interviewed Fran Cohn of the Team Shalva campaign. We'll be running in the Jerusalem Marathon. You'll want to check that out at about, I want to say, let's say 9.30 or so Eastern here. So in about the bottom of the hour, 28 or minutes at this point. And then Tova Knecht joins the program at about, let's say, 10 a.m. So a little less than an hour from now. She'll be on with David Sussman, who has a great story. Um, I know after Tova finished the interview, she contacted me. She said, Yoni, this, this is something... All of your listeners will enjoy, so make sure you stick around for that. We'll have plenty coming up here on Bite Size, as usual. Great music, great interviews. We'll start with Lamelech from Ohad. You're tuned into Bite Size right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Lemelech, 
strangers raising flags Seeing you dressed in nation rags Seen them all turn around Just like you I hold my ground But I stand quiet, I stand still Like a rock throughout the ages I'm just a stone from your home I'm Jerusalem stone And I waited
that was Eighth Day's Jerusalem Stone, an apropos song, purposely chosen by myself, to lead in perfectly to Joanna Shepson's interview with Fran Cohen. Now, why Jerusalem Stone? It's because Fran Cohen is uh, helping organize the Team Shalva campaign for the Jerusalem Marathon, which takes place Friday, March 17th. I was told, and as you'll hear, there are plenty, I don't know plenty, but there are spots available if you still want to join them. So you could check out Run, then the number four, Shalva.org, runforshalva.org. And I'm going to hand it off now to Joanna, who was speaking with Fran Cohen for more on the Jerusalem Marathon. Thank you, Yoni. Um, I'm talking today actually via the phone um, with a woman named Fran Cohen, who is in charge of the whole Team Shalva at the Jerusalem Marathon. And um, Fran is in Montreal, so that's why this interview is taking place over the phone. And she's going to tell us a little bit more about what Shalva is doing for the upcoming marathon, which is less than two months away. But there is still time to sign up. So that's why we're going to be discussing with Fran what the uh, Shabbaton is going to be like and uh, what opportunities there are for teenagers and adults to sign up to join Team Shalva. So hi, Fran. How are you doing? Hi, Joanna. Thank you for having me on. Sure. So tell us a little bit, I guess, start with the backstory. How did you get involved with Shalva? Tell me a little bit about Shalva. Okay, so I got involved with Shalva seven years ago when my daughter actually put Team Shalva on the map of the Jerusalem Marathon. Shalva was the first organization that joined the Jerusalem Marathon as a charity organization. That was seven years ago. We were the only charity organization on the map then. And since then, other charity organizations have joined as well. Um, needless to say, the first year we were the largest group, and thereafter, every year we are the largest group, and God willing, this year we're going to be the largest group again, too. That um, sounds great. And so basically the runners can sign up and fundraise for their run? Is that how it works? Yes. Each runner signs up and they fundraise. Each runner has to fundraise a, a certain minimum fundraising requirement. And once they reach their goals, they um, get there if they're coming from overseas, their transportation is provided for them, as well as their hotel stay in Israel. Oh, that sounds exciting. So the, basically, um, I think you had told me that the group is going to be staying at the Crown Plaza, which is a great yes. location for the start of the run. They don't have to get go too far for the beginning of the run. No. Correct. So they, they will be having a full day of activities from being picked up at the airport, taken to the New Shalva Center for a tour, have some touring. They'll be going to Yad Vashem, Har Herzl. They'll be going back to the Shalva Center for a carnival with the children and interaction with the Shalva children, followed by a presentation, a pasta party, and then back to the hotel to get ready for the big day the next day, which for some runners will start at 6.30 in the morning. Wow. Well, tell me this also. I'm sure some runners out there are thinking or some teenagers are thinking, well, I really want to do it, but I don't think I can run a full marathon. So what are the different options? Because I know there are other options out there. Yes, there definitely are. There there are four tracks, the 5K, the 10K, the half marathon, and the full. I know the word run frightens a lot of people because people think they have to be runners, but actually a lot of people joining through a combination of walking and running. Anything is permitted, walk, run, hop, skip, jump, as long as there are no wheels involved. And everybody kind of pushes everyone along. So whether you're, you've never ran a day in your life or you're whether an expert running runner, you don't have to, you don't have to be um, an avid runner. Anyone could do it and they choose the, tr- the track that they want. In addition to that, 
They don't necessarily have to even do a 5K. They could do a wonderful track, which is called the 800-meter community run, which is a Shalva initiative that, again, started seven years ago when Shalva was the first charity organization on the map. This is where the Shalva children, as well as other children with special needs in the Jerusalem community, come out and they have an 800-meter track joined together with all the runners of the Jerusalem Marathon. Well, almost all the runners of the Jerusalem Marathon. It's a very inspiring experience, and you feel wonderful after doing it. The truth is, I made Aliyah about um, just over 10 years ago, and one of the first... So I remember that that first run seven years ago. I was in the Givat Ram campus on their track, and I remember running with the um, Shalva kids. It was It was special back then, and now that the running is done like in the streets of Jerusalem, it's, it's even more special. Um, so tell it me a little bit about is. who's coming. It certainly is. Uh, well, we have student, We have uh, about um, over 250, close to actually 300 students who are going to be coming from the United States and the U.K. We have groups, student groups, school groups as large as 60 students to their school group. And uh, we as well have a synagogue from Los Angeles who's going to be joining us, a synagogue from Toronto who's going to be joining us, and many adults as well. As a, uh, a Los Angeles girl at heart, I have to ask, are there any girls coming out from EULA? Yes, there are. As a matter of fact, there are four girls coming out from EULA, and three of them are returning Leonard's. Oh, fantastic. This will be, this will be their third year joining Team Shalva. And do runners who participate in the marathon in the, have, from the past, do they come back to run again, or do they get involved in other ways? Absolutely. Runners who've ran in the past, we have a 40% return rate. So 40% of our runners are returning runners. And in addition to that, we have runners who this year are doing their gap year in Israel, and they are they joined, and they too will stay at the Crown Plaza for today weekend and take part of the Shabbaton that we're going to be having for the high school students and for the adults. So I I know you told us that you've actually done the run. Can you describe the feeling after you've done the Jerusalem Marathon? Oh my God. It's, it's, you're in a high. Um, when you fundraise, you think, oh, I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving, you know, you work hard to fundraise and to get to your minimum fundraising requirement. But when you finish the race, you say, wow, I just received so much. Running with Shalva, you're really on the receiving end of it. And the feeling that you get, the high that you get, lasts for a long time. But unfortunately, not such a long time. Maybe like, you know, a few months you're on this great high. But the second the high starts dwindling, you say, okay, I need it again. And you register. And then the excitement starts again. And do you still have spaces open if someone wants to still register now? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's all word of mouth. And today I just got four new registrations today. So we definitely have room and people can still register. We we encourage people to register and to be part of the Team Shalva experience. It's a most inspiring and memorable experience that one would have. Well, I have to tell you also that last week I went on a tour of the new Shalva building, which is in the bottom of Bayat Vagan. And the tour is inspiring. The building, it's incredible what they've built there and the services that they can offer children with special needs. Um, but one of the things I really loved to see was that there are so many ways that volunteers can get involved in working together with the special needs children and in running, having bar and bat mitzvahs there and incorporating the special needs children into the celebration. Um, and the easiest thing for a tourist, I, next time you come out, 
they just opened mm-hmm. up the Shalva Cafe inside the building, yes. which is run by the owners of Derech Hagefen, which was one of, is one of the most popular dairy cafes um, in you know right outside Jerusalem. And they've opened up the Shalva Cafe, and it's delicious. And it's a place where people from the outside are invited to come in, and hopefully one day they'll have Shalva graduates working in the cafe, which is a unique right. concept. So this is just, it's exciting. It sounds like Shalva's really gotten people involved in their cause and they're really building, bringing people to Israel, you know, for their run and it's fabulous. So I just wanted yes, to say Sure. As a matter of fact, we do have one runner who joined and she's going to be staying on an additional week to volunteer at Shalva. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yes. the opportunities mm-hmm. there. If anyone's interested, um, send an email to shalva at funinjerusalem.com and I can hook you up with people in the volunteering department, people in the party and events department, because they've got some beautiful spaces now that are available for party rentals, um, not as a regular rental, really with the idea of bringing the Shalva children into your simcha. So um, I just thank you so much, Fran, and I look You're forward welcome. to meeting you. You're welcome, and I just thank you likewise. If anyone wants to register to be yes. part of this fantastic experience, all they have to do is go to runforshalva.org. And that's the number four, R-U-N, for shalva.org. Wonderful. Okay, thank you so much. And now thank back you, to Joanna. You. Okay, now back to you, Yoni. Thank you, Joanna, and thank you, Fran Cohen. Again, Fran is helping organize the Team Shalva campaign for the Jerusalem Marathon, which takes place March 17th. That is on a Friday. You can check out runforshalva.org, run, the number four, shalva.org. For more information, it seems like a great way to run the race, obviously you have to run a marathon, which for me is, is already out of the question, but they seem to take care of a lot of the logistics and everything else that's important to uh, leading up to the marathon. So it seems like a great campaign and one that you should certainly join if you have any interest in running the Jerusalem Marathon. Again, runforshalva.org. And thank you, Fran Cohn and Joanna Shepson, for that interview. For more from Joanna, check out funinjerusalem.com. And uh, there you could find all the information that you want if you're looking for tours, if you're looking for anything in regards to touring the land of Israel and fun activities. Joanna is certainly the person to contact funinjerusalem.com for more information regarding touring the land of Israel. More coming up in Bite Size. Here's Moshav with Streets of Jerusalem. You're tuned in to the Nachum Siegel Network. It's a big world, it's a small world, it's a long way from home And where you started from, you'll return one day But for now you roam I walk the streets of Jerusalem And my head is bowed, can't let you go Can't let you go Can't let you go Now And you promised you'd meet me here I'm waiting still I believed you I loved you 
And I always will Talking on the telephone Only makes it worse somehow Can't let you go Can't let you go Can't let you go You're somewhere east of Eden I'm in exile myself Still it's your touch I long for More than anything else We spoke of love like it lasts forever We spoke from the heart Knowing that I have to let you go Is the cruelest part I walk the streets of Jerusalem And my head is Can't let you go Can't let you go Can't let you go
לכל זמן ועת, לכל זמן, לכל זמן ועת, את לאהוב, את לשנוא, את מלחמה, ויהיה, ויהיה שלום. לכל זמן, לכל זמן ועת, לכל זמן, לכל זמן ועת, את לאהוב, את לשנוא, את מלחמה, ויהיה, ויהיה Yaakov Shweki's at Recode, a little shout out there to a friend of mine, Dobie Brick, who got married on a Sunday night. It was a beautiful wedding, and I, at Recode is one of my favorite wedding songs, so uh felt like that was a nice selection there. And here we are now with Tova Knecht. Tova has an interview with David Sussman, who, again, as, as I mentioned in the opening, uh, an incredible story. Again, Tova contacted me immediately after finishing this interview and said, Yoni, like, 
this story is incredible. Like, I can't wait for it to appear on Bite Size. And so here we are. So here's Toba with David Sussman. You're tuned in to the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you, Yoni. I'm sitting in the gorgeous King David Hotel in Jerusalem with David Sussman of David Sussman Israel Tours. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Tova. Um, so when I met you on the tour we did of Yehuda and Shamron with Joseph Wax, um, which was incredible, and I heard your story, I said, for sure I need to introduce you to uh, my audience. Um, so I, you know, I would love to hear about your background story. Great. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity. I appreciate um, being here with you and, uh, and sharing my story with your, with your uh, viewers. So, um, so, yeah, so I'm originally from Boston, Massachusetts. Okay. Uh, I'm here in Israel for 16 years, but I'm originally from Boston, Massachusetts, um, but really all over the Northeast. My family moved around a lot. I lived in 10 different homes before I graduated high school. I went to three different sleepaway camps. I went to a boarding school. Oh, wow. And this is all before the age of 18. So it was in my blood to be somewhat of a nomad. Okay. And, uh, and after finishing my schooling, I bought a van and uh, customized it in the inside. And I literally lived in my van for two years, traveling all around the states to different national parks and um, cities. And, uh, and I was following this really popular band back in the day called Fish. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Amazing. So uh, you're traveling, and then how do you end up in Israel? Right. How did I end up in Israel? So in 2000, this band Fish, I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but I was like a groupie, you okay. could say. I yeah. saw them maybe 200 times over the course of several years, and uh, they, it, it became part of my life, and they retired. And they said that they weren't, you know, they disbanded. And so I didn't know what to do because my life revolved around following this band all around the country. <laughs> so I thought that I would bring my, uh, my, my desire to travel abroad and I would travel through Europe and maybe Africa and the Far East. Uh -huh. And one day I went to the airport and I didn't know what my destination was going to be. No. And I looked at all of the wow. flights leaving and I saw at the very bottom there, I saw Tel Aviv. I said to myself, I'm Jewish, why not just that is... explore Israel first and then I'll continue on my journey, but instead I found my home and I've never left. I've chilled, that's amazing, <laughs> unbelievable. Okay, so you got to Israel, and then what did you do here? <laughs> right, so I'm 24, and uh, when I landed, uh, I, I checked into a hostel in, okay. uh, in Tel Aviv called Momo's, it's on Ben Yehuda Street, and I went to the beach, and I was just blown away at how many amazing people there are here in Israel, and in Tel Aviv particularly, and they're all Jewish. It, it was just, it was shocking to me, because I grew up in where most Jews fit into a certain box, right. and I didn't fit into that box, uh -huh. and now all of a sudden I was meeting Jews who were similar to me, with similar interests, like the same types of type of music uh -huh. or into sports that I was into and uh, and so I was enamored by that and I enjoyed myself so much that I, I, I kept on wanting to extend my vacation okay. and I needed to look for work because yeah. um, when I first came I was on vacation but then I wanted to get a job because I wanted to stay a little bit longer and I found uh, a job working at a bar called Mike's Place on the beaches of Tel Aviv. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Mike's Place. I remember there was a story about Mike's Place. Were you there? Yeah, so so I started working at Mike's Place in the summer of 2001. 
Okay. And uh, after a few months working really in their kitchen, they gave they asked me if I would become a bartender. Uh-huh. But in order to become a bartender, I needed to stay for I had to commit for a year. Okay. Now during that year, two thousand one, two thousand two, there was a lot of terrorism right. in Israel. A lot of terrorism. It was a very dark period in Jewish history. I was here that year. Wow. So you know firsthand what I'm talking about. There yes. were explosions that were happening, bombings that were happening multiple times a week. Yeah. Various parts of the country. It was during the second intifada. It was it was the, that the was part the of the, the yeah. second intifada. Right. And uh, so this was the year I committed to Mike's Place, and I saw the nation coming together, supporting one another, and I felt connected to everybody who I met. And when my commitment of a year was up, I did not want to leave because I felt that I was you know, doing my part in keeping Israel together, and how could I abandon the country and the people who I just recently fell in love with. Right. So I extended and extended and extended. A year turned into two years, and then on April 30, 2003, um, while managing Mike's place, there two terrorists from England oh came with their British passports. Unbelievable. Flew into Bangor and rented a car from budget. And then they drove into Gaza because there was no security barrier. People don't realize that a lot of the terrorism that happened during the Second Antifada was caused because there was, no, that we, we, there was no security barrier. It's so important that Israel has this security barrier. Right. Because these two terrorists drove into Gaza, met with Hamas, got their bombs, brought them back into Israel, driving their budget rental car from Ben-Gurion Airport, came to Tel Aviv and looked for a place to murder and injure as many innocent men, women, and children as possible. Why they chose the bar that I was working at, I don't know, but they did. Thank God. Avi, the security guard, realizing there was something fishy about these two individuals, started to push them back. They detonated themselves. Instead of detonating inside the bar where they would have killed dozens, they injured dozens, but they managed to murder three people. One of them was a good friend of mine, Dominique Haas, who I'd been working with for two years. Oh, my goodness. And it was at this time, believe it or not, that I finally made the decision that I was going to make Aliyah. As I was just here as a work visa. I'm I'm sitting here having chills. I'm sure everybody listening to this right now has goosebumps. It was... uh, That is very emotional. It was a very, very intense period. Israel for 16 years has been intense. It's an intense place. It's an intense place to live. It's an intense, beautiful, wonderful, incredible, amazing place to be. And this was just one of the facets of all of that combined. And and it was at that time that I said, the terrorists are not going to win. They're not going to push us into the sea. I'm not going to abandon our land. Was this the impetus that drove you to join the army? Well, in a way, it was. I I made Aliyah, and after making Aliyah, Yasser Arafat, who was the head of the PLO, was talking about a million-man march on to Jerusalem, and I said to myself, what do I know of shooting guns? I'm a good little Jewish boy from Boston. What do I know of shooting guns? So I went to the army. I was 27 years old, and they didn't want... They didn't want to accept me because I was too old. Older, right? But they said they had a special unit which doesn't even exist here. It's called Schlavbet, mm-hmm. and you have an intensive training, uh, and then after your training, they put you into a regular what we call here in Israel a miluim unit, which is your right. reserve duty in America. It would be called reserve duty. Right. So I served, and I was put into a um, um, a unit called Totchanim, which is artillery. So I did all my training in artillery. And then I was put into a regular reserve unit with other Israeli soldiers who had served for three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first time I got called up for Milouim... Oh no, you went into the Second Lebanon War. That's right. In 2006, Hezbollah crossed over the border. 
They killed a number of our soldiers, they kidnapped three more, and this is what began the Second Lebanon War. My unit was one of the initial units that got called up. 55,000 troops were called up for the, for the first call-up of reserve duty, emergency reserve duty. <clears throat> and, uh, and during my experiences for 28 days in Lebanon, I, um, I uh, had three near-death experiences. Wow. Do you want to share that with any of them with us? Or? So, so I, you know what? Two of them were just incredible moments that happened in a flash where I thought I was going to die and I didn't. Okay. And it was awesome. It's <laughs> awesome not to die. It's awesome not to die. Wow. The third one changed my life forever because it wasn't a split second. It was like 10 minutes. Hezbollah was way more advanced, I think, than you know, higher echelons believe them to be. Right. They had reconnaissance units. They had devices to listen into our frequencies. And during the war, we were constantly being fired upon. But when they were firing their rockets at us, it was very random. And on this particular battle, on August 2nd, 2006, we saw that the Katusha rockets were zeroing in on our position. Yeah. And um, within moments, within minutes, the fields and the trees that we were located in, everything was set on fire and we got the orders to evacuate. <clears throat> my tank was the last tank to leave uh -huh. the area. And one of my jobs in the tank, there's, you, know, you have several different components to your job, but one of my jobs is that I'm the last one to go into the tank to close the big door in the back. So I'm waiting outside for my commander to tell us to come in. Everybody's jumping in. By the time I go into the tank oh, yeah. and I close the door and I look for my position to sit, there's somebody there because two extra people jumped into our tank who were running for their lives outside right. as everything's blowing up. So I had nowhere to sit. So I'm sitting on the floor in this tank and, uh, and we had lots of explosives, artillery shells, but also raw TNT on the ground. You could smell it. It was so pugnant in the air. You could smell the TNT and the petrol that the TNT soaked in. Yeah. And then, you know, when it rains, it pours. The hatch that the commander could stick his head out of to glance out at the battlefield yeah. was jammed and it wouldn't shut. From where I was sitting, I could look out of the hatch and I could see everything burning around us. And I could see these embers starting to fall into the tank. Uh -huh. Now, had one of those embers touched the explosives on the ground, we would have left a uh, hole in the ground the size of a Mack truck. Wow. And there was only one person with the, with the presence of mind to realize what was happening who would sit there and clap out these embers as they're falling in before they hit one of the pellets of TNT, and boom, right. we're dead. And in my mind, I'm thinking that Katusha rocket's going to have a direct hit, an RPG's going to rip through the side of the tank, whatever is going to happen, I'm going to die here. Right. And I'm 29 years old, and for 10 minutes, there was no doubt in my mind, no, this, is it. this is it. And people say you have, you know, your life flashed before your eyes. I wasn't having visuals, but what I was experiencing in that moment was I was reliving all of these decisions I made in my life. Uh -huh. And when I look back at it, I came to this realization that all my decisions were decided based on what other people would think uh -huh. of me yeah. and not of what I thought of myself or what I wanted to do or what I believed was right or wrong. I had been living a life 
based on other people's ideas and expectations. And, and expectations of me. Right. And it was the worst feeling you could possibly imagine. And, so and, is that uh, what brought you to religion? Um, well, at the end of the war and the end of this this crazy near-death experience where, you know, my life just seemed not real and not my own, um, I, I kind of went into a depression. Yeah. I, I guess you could call it PTSD. Right. And I went into a bit of a dark place. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I saw an advert in a uh, magazine to become a tour guide. So is that what you're doing now? So that's what I'm doing now. I'm a tour guide now. I run my own business, David Sussman Israel Tours. We'll talk about uh, that soon, but yeah. But they, so I saw this advert, and it was a two-year course, mm-hmm. and I signed up for it, and part of that course is reading the Tanakh. You can't be a tour guide without reading the Bible. Now, I didn't grow up in a religious family. I never read the stories of the Bible. I hardly even heard the stories of the Bible, never mind actually read them. Right. So I'm reading them, but not only am I reading them through my course... I'm going to the actual sites, the battlegrounds, the fortresses, the walls, the tunnels that were built by our great, 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 great grandparents. And I'm like, oh my goodness, it all matches up. Like the Tanakh, the Bible, is historically accurate. And this blew me away because I always thought it was just... You know, Jewish mythology, like you have Greek mythology, you have Jewish mythology, right. Christian mythology, it's just, it's all myths. Right, but this is real. But now I'm looking at it, I'm like, wow, it's real, exactly, it's real, and it's, and it's my real story. I'm reading the diary of my great, great, great parents. Yeah. So I wanted to learn the stories behind the stories, and I went online and I found a yeshiva that I could go to with a very minimal Jewish background. Okay. And uh, I started to uh, learn and to study and to, and to become more observant. And so today... You know, thank God I'm, I, I keep uh, Shabbat and, uh, and I try and learn whenever possible. And I, uh, yeah, you're I'm married and I've got two kids here in Jerusalem. It's amazing. What a story from Boston to Jerusalem. Unbelievable. The, the question that really has been sitting on my mind this whole time is what happened to that van? Right. <laughs> that you had been driving So around. the van, <laughs> I left in my friend's yard when I left. Uh-huh. And uh, I, basically, I, I, I basically gave it to my friend. It wasn't worth a lot of money. Okay, you didn't bring it over. You didn't import it to Israel. No, it would be nice to have here, actually. It would be like an extra bedroom. Yeah, was that nice? <laughs> okay, so now you're a tour guide. Do you have any fantastic anecdotes, stories that you could share with the audience? Um, you know, one of the stories that I share with every group individual that I guide here is the story of Akedis Yitzhak, Okay. which when you stand in Jerusalem and you're looking at the hill of Ramona Natsiv, you can actually see the place that Avraham was standing, looking out at Harabite, the Temple Mount, the place where the Dome of the Rock is today, right. the temples, the first, second temple, the right. third temple, the place, the Holy of Holies for us. And, uh, and at that time, Abraham, there was nothing because nothing was built there. Right. And yet he still saw this amazing light, this amazing beauty, and this amazing energy. And he looked at the people who he was with and he said, do you guys see what I see? And the only one to see it was Isaac, was Yitzchak. Wow. Yishmael didn't see it, Eliezer didn't see it. And then Abraham looks to the others, not to Isaac, to the others. And he says, you guys stay back here with the donkeys, but don't worry, we'll be back for you. Yeah. And it's, that's the idea of, of Judaism, is, is to be a light upon the nations, yeah. is that other people might not see the light yet, right. including ourselves, including other uh, Jews. And that's okay. Right. It's okay. They don't see it. You guys stay back here. But for those who see it, come to Jerusalem, connect spiritually to this place, because ultimately, what is it doing? It's helping you to connect to yourselves. 
And we all need to be who we are in yeah. order to bring fulfillment and tikkun olam to this world. We need to be who we are. And it's that story that I, I believe personifies the idea of being a light upon the nations and being yourself and connecting to both Israel, Judaism, and, but most importantly, yourself. Wow, that is... I told my audience that this was going to be an incredible story. So um, is there anything else that you want to add into uh, about your about your business before we end off? Well, I, first of all, I really appreciate to everybody out there who's still listening and, 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 <laughs> they and are. hopefully They're enjoying yes. the story. You know, obviously, you know, we're only here for, you know, a certain amount of time. Um, it's much more lengthy. I travel America sharing my story, you know, to high schools, uh-huh. middle schools, adult groups. And even the last time I was there, I spoke at a rehab, which was very interesting. Wow. Um, but, you know, I put together, my real passion is putting together trips for families who aren't necessarily so connected to Israel right. and, uh, or, or to the Judaism, but want to come here and want to explore, celebrate their bar mitzvah here, bring their kids here. And my goal is that when the kids leave Israel, that they should, when offered the opportunity to go back to Israel or Disney World, they want to come, back to, come back to Israel. Because exactly. there's whitewater rafting and hiking and there's you know, the, everything here. Everything. And you don't have to drive so far to get to. That's right. Such a small country, but you could so do diverse. North to south in one day. That's right. You really can. Fantastic. And there's so many different activities um, that, that people can enjoy and to connect to over here. So hopefully everybody there will look me up. David Sussman, Israel Tours. I will put it on to the Or David Sussman, IsraelTours.com is the website. And uh, and contact me. Um, and if you want me to share my story with your communities back in, in America sure or wherever, people would probably love to you know, have you come speak for. Yeah, I can them. send them out all my information. So let me ask you: You've traveled Israel personally, professionally. Can you say that there's one place that you can call your Israel happy place? My Israel happy. You know what? There's so many places that I love so much, and I'm so happy in. But the, I'll say this, that the place I go to to recharge my batteries is the Dead Sea. I love floating yes. in the water. Uh. The salt water, it's so good for your skin, so relaxing, great for your muscles. And also you're in the middle of the Judean desert. It's only 20 minutes away from Jerusalem. Right. And you're in the middle of the desert, the beautiful red mountains. You got Jordan on the other side. I mean, it's just surreal. And it's so peaceful out there in the middle of nowhere, floating in the waters of the Dead Sea. That's why I go to recharge my batteries. Wow. Well, your story has so many levels of inspiration, and I'm sure that everyone listening here is connecting to at least one of the aspects of your inspirational story. So continue to inspire people, and uh, hopefully one day I'll get to join you on a tour. And uh, Hopefully. Yeah. I look forward to that. Thank you, Tova. <laughs> Amazing. Thanks so much for joining. All right. Thank you, Yoni. Back to you. Thank you, Tova, and thank you, David. As Tova mentioned and as David just proved to all of us, uh, what an incredible story, moving to over 10 different homes before graduating high school, different schools, went to boarding school, traveled around the world kind of as a nomad, uh, a cool, fun life story, near-death experiences, which obviously aren't fun, but you learn a lot from from what I hear. So what a wonderful interview. So we thank you, David, and again, thank you, Tova. For more on Tova, go to tovainisrael.com or Tova in Israel on Facebook. Check her out. As usual, wonderful stuff coming from her platforms. More coming up on Bite Size. Here's Ivri Anochi off of Benny Friedman's new album. (laughs) 
אני הולך עם ראש למעלה, כל אחד הוא בן או בת של מלך. ככה היה, וככה זה גם עלה, יהודים נשמה בוערת. בכל מקום ובכל ארץ, לא רוצה שיהיה אחרת. יהודי אני, זה משהו נצחי. בני אברהם, יצחק ויעקב, בני שרה
incense forever, let me be. For my family and my people set me free. Let me live life as I am, sharing peace with every man. It's my children, it's my land, so let me be. There's a story in the past it tells for me. It is written in the book my destiny. I bring history to you, and I know you've seen it too. So the gun won't ever change a thing for me. Okay, okay, okay. 
That was Aryeh Kunzler live in the Nahum Siegel Network studio, right here where I am standing. He was live, uh, what was it, probably just a few weeks ago. And that was his Yibane Hamigdash, um, a great selection. And why Aryeh Kunzler? It's because Aryeh Kunzler, just this past Saturday night, was the star of this year's Nahum Siegel Network kosher halftime show. It was recorded Saturday night at Courtside Grill. Uh, what a great time. All the people there had a great time. Enjoyed a little nice swag bag that uh, we gave out. I'm sure all the people there could tell you how wonderful the event was. Arye was great. And uh, the food on top of Arye was also excellent. So really a great time Saturday night. And it will be on our website, NachumSeal.com, the video and audio. And just the audio itself will be on the Seal Network app. That'll be available around halftime of the big game on Sunday. So I'd say check your computers or your app around 8 p.m. Eastern or so, and it should be up then. So uh, again, that was Aryeh Kunstler performing live in the Nachum Siegel Network studio a few days ago. So kosher halftime show means this week is the big week, obviously Super Bowl. I spoke about it on the beginning of the show. So for this week's Four to the Door, myself and Jamie Turkel, our assistant programming director and social media coordinator here at the Nachum Siegel Network, decided to have a little Super Bowl-themed Four to the Door. Four to the Door works as follows. I ask myself and Jamie Turkel to come up with a top four favorite blank. It's called Four to the Door because it's the top four, whatever we decide. And to the door, you know, you leave through a door. This is how we wrap up Bite Size every week, so... Four to the Door is the name of the segment. And this week's Top Four to the Door, again, is Top Four Favorite Super Bowl uh, Traditions, Moments, whatever it is. And uh, we are going to start with Jamie Turkel's list as usual. Go four to one, and then my list, four to one, and then wrap up the rest of the show. Yoni at if you have any questions, comments, suggestions for Four to the Door or for Bite Size in general. If you have any other issues regarding anything in the Nachum Seal Network, contact me if you want to banter, if you want to... Tell me a joke if you want to, frankly, anything, yoni at nachumseal.com. Or leave a comment on the NSN app if you are listening via that platform. So here we go. This week's top four to the door, top four Super Bowl traditions. Number four on Jamie Turkel's list is being with friends. Can't argue that. The only argument I could actually have is that it's not high enough, but that is number four on Jamie's list. Number three is the awesome food. Coincidentally, appears on my list. And at the same spot, a little sneak peek of my list there. Awesome food indeed, whichever party you are at. If you're at your house, if you're at a party, if you're at a place, wherever it is, there's always awesome food at Super Bowl parties. Number two is the commercials. Can't complain there. Commercials are a fun, fun part of the Super Bowl. If you are not aware, the the commercials during that three, four-hour time slot are the most expensive commercials available to be bought. 
and always brand new. So if for some reason this is the first year you are watching the Super Bowl, don't leave for the commercials because they're excellent. They're funny, and they're new. You've never seen them yet before. Number one on Jamie Turkel's list, top four of the door, top four Super Bowl traditions is the halftime show. Now, she didn't specify kosher halftime show or regular halftime show, though I know, I mean, she obviously was there Saturday night to partake in the kosher halftime show, and I'm sure she will be watching it plenty, but she also enjoys the halftime show that takes place during the big game, and uh, can't really blame her there. Though, I will tell you, it is not on my list, because I personally am not a big halftime show person. Um, I do enjoy the choreography, um, but I grew up not really knowing so many artists on the English side. I wasn't so big into music um, back then. But obviously, I mean, I know who's performing this year, and I know the big ones. I, I've enjoyed several in the past, but a halftime show was usually as a kid. I just kind of walked up and left and did whatever and then came back when the game was played. So, again, 4-1 to one on Jamie's top four of the door, top four Super Bowl traditions. Number four is being with friends. Number three, awesome food. Number two, commercials. And number one, halftime show and here we go with my list top four to the door top four super bowl traditions number four on my list is the commercials again as i said a great and fun time when the game's not being played because the commercials are great it's funny because people will talk during the game and when the commercials go on shh, quiet it's 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 a bizarre thing but kind of funny that people Whereas in 99% of their TV watching, really every every time but the four hours of the Super Bowl, everyone just talks during commercials, get up, go to the bathroom, whatever it is during the Super Bowl, nada. Commercials quiet, everyone's got to pay attention. Number three on my list is the food. Again, as I said, wherever you are on Super Bowl Sunday, the food is always top notch. Number two on my list and something that did not appear on Jamie's list, number two on my list, is the actual game. I love football. I enjoy football. I play fantasy football. I partake in many I love playing football watching football whatever it is football 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 I love it so the game itself is actually fun for me even what was it two three years ago during the blowout when the the Seahawks stomped all over the Broncos right that's what happened I think so um yeah I think that's what happened so uh even during that game I watched the whole Super Bowl football's fun for me (laughs) and after the Super Bowl that's it there's no more football for I mean, you have training camp and OTA start already in March, April, and the draft, whatever, et cetera, free agency. But live fun football does not, again, happen until August. So February, first Sunday in February, unless it's February 1st, um, in which case it's February 8th. But the first Sunday in February is always a bittersweet day because it's the last football game for quite some time. And number one on my list, top four to the door, top four Super Bowl traditions is being with friends. Whether it was at, it was when I was a kid, uh, partook in, in several different parties. Those were always good times. Have plenty of memories from being in my friend's living room, friend's party room, whatever it was. And then over the last, you know, when I was in in Israel at Yeshiva Torah Traga, I stayed one and a half years, but I I was already back for the second Super Bowl. My first Super Bowl was in uh, we were in a lot, so the Super Bowl was at three a.m. And uh, a lot of us stayed up to watch that Super Bowl. What year was that? 2011? Right, 2011. I think it was Steelers-Packers that year. Um, A fun Super Bowl that was. So, uh, watched that as a kid. And then over my time at YU, I think for the last, I guess, what is it? Now going to be five years. We've all gotten together, my, my crew, if you will, to watch the game. It used to be at a friend's house. Now... 
most of us are married, so we watch In the Heights as a as a group of we're probably about fifteen or so couples, etc. If you guys, um, it's really a good time. The friends, it, unfortunately, when 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 friends get married, you don't see them that often. But uh, so Super Bowl is one of the times every year where we all get together and have a great time. So again, four to one on my top four to the door, top four Super Bowl traditions. Number four is commercials. Number three is food. Number two is the actual game itself, and number one is the camaraderie being with friends. So again, Yoni and Achimseal.com if you have any comments, questions, suggestions regarding the four to the door or Yoni, excuse me, or bite size in general. So I'd like to thank you all for spending the last two hours here with me on the Nachum Siegel Network. Again, I thank Tova Knecht and thank Joanna Shebson for their interviews. And here for Jamie Turkel, I have to tell you, I don't have to, but I want to tell you how you check us out all over social media on Facebook at Nachum Siegel Network, on Twitter at Nachum Siegel Net, and on Instagram, Nachum Siegel Network. There may or may not have been a few pictures of me on our Nachum Siegel Network Instagram and Facebook page and Twitter, I guess. Um, me eating the burger. The burger, which was fantastic. Again, thank you, Courtside Grill. And uh, what else? Oh, I uh, kind of modeled the swag bag that we gave out. It was a nice drawstring bag with the Kosher Halftime Show logo on it. So uh, there's a little shameless self-promotion on my end. But uh, Jamie Turkel does a great job monitoring and running those social media platforms. So go ahead, check them out, give them a like, and post with them. What do you do? Share the page, whatever it is. Give her your support and show her how much her hard work means to you and to us as a network. If you haven't yet downloaded the NSN app, go ahead and do so. Google Play Store, Apple Store, NSN app, Nachum Single Network, type it in, download it, it's free, and you can enjoy all of our content while on the run. My name is Yoni Pollock, and I'd like to wish you all a good day and remind you that the bite size is the right size.